0: Heyo! Welcome everyone to episode 29 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave. This week we're going to dive into an arcade game called Yell. Uh, this game can be found in Uruguay, and it's an action-packed game full of challenging enemies. Uh, the creator Emiliano Sierra is with me today. Welcome, man. How you doing?
1: Hey, thank you for having me tonight. Um, well, uh, I'm doing fine and eager to share um, and talk about Yell with all the people in your podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I've been keeping an eye on you guys for a while. Um, you, I think you reached out to me just to send a picture, and I thought the game looked awesome, like just the aesthetic of the cabinet and the way that the game played and everything. Um, I want to jump right into a little bit about you, Emiliano. Like, What did you do on the game, and what do you do uh, on a daily basis?
1: Okay, uh, in Yale, I was a game designer and also programmed the game. And um, we are four people in total. Uh, there's one for the graphics, uh, one for sound, and another person that helped us, you know, build the actual arcade cabinet. Uh, not exactly build, but in, to restore another cabinet and, you know, turn it into the Yell cabinet.
0: Gotcha, so you guys went the restoration path. How was building the cabinet and what did you do on the inside for components? Did you just put like a like a Windows machine in there or did you do something else?
1: Well, yeah, it's a Windows machine. Actually, the cabinet was pretty beat up. It, it was not in the best conditions, but it was the cabinet we had. So we essentially pulled out all of the internals, the monitor, because it had a CRT, so we had to put a, a newer monitor in there. And it had a Tekken 2 arcade board. And we actually sold that so that we could buy the new monitor and such. And it has a, a Windows machine. Um, we don't have the actual case of the machine in there, of course, we have like the components and we try to set them up in a way that is optimal for you know not overheating and such. Because we, while Yell is not particularly, um, uh, you know, Graphic intensive game. We do have uh, uh, an older um, uh, GPU that actually is, heats up uh, a lot, so we had to work around that. But yeah, basically, our setup is a Windows 7 machine, and uh, the game is made entirely in Game Maker uh, Studio 2.0. Okay.
0: Um... I want to know about inspiration for the game. You said that you were more the programming side. Um, I don't know if you know the art side. You probably do. Um, But what was your guys' inspiration for the game? What classics did you draw off to make Yell?
1: Well, uh, actually, uh, one of my favorite old school arcade games is Robotron. And I always try to, uh, what I call design by concept, which is not to exactly try to copy the mechanics of some of something, but to try to, uh, you know, get what the, the, the feeling, the concept of the game is. And in Robotron, I felt it was like about being intense. That's pretty much what Robotron is. Um, so I said, okay, how can I take uh, something like Robotron and make it even more intense or try to translate that same feeling to a newer and more modern feeling game. And so the basic idea was that uh, in Robotron you get overwhelmed by enemies and the game, because you have to save these uh, humans, forces you to navigate uh, between those enemies. So in Yale, uh, I tried to create something that was more um, player control. Uh, the, The risk versus reward thing that you see in most games. Here it's like at the core of the game. So whenever you shoot a bullet, a projectile in, in yellow, it bounces bounces off walls and it can hit you. So you can basically like fill the entire screen with bullets. And and the next thing I did is, okay, now you can create your own uh, bullet hell, but how do you survive it? So we put um, this mechanics like uh, in Sonic the Hedgehog, 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 in which you can like, um, grab rings and, and essentially, when, uh, as long as you have rings, you are invincible. So, in Yell, basically, when you kill an enemy, it, it doesn't give you points. Rather, the enemy uh, uh, creates coins. So, when you grab those coins, uh, you get the points. But also, whenever an enemy hits you, you get into what we call um, the send mode. It's like you have send mode and so mode. But essentially, it's like being level one and level two. If you get hit when you're in level one, you are destroyed but whenever you grab coins uh you recover and can take another hit so essentially it created the same situation in robotron in which you have to transverse you have to move and and navigate this very dangerous environment but now you have a saying into how that environment uh, actually plays out so you, st- you start trying to create zones in which uh, you can you recover you try to manage not uh, It's different from other shooters in which you are trained not to get hit. In Yale, it's like you're probably going to get hit. You just want to get hit in a situation in which you can recover. So that's basically the core of the game. And then I started designing over that base. So uh, the entire scoring system, the power-up system and such is, is designed from that base to uh, encourage the player to to keep shooting and um, to keep like um, managing the the bouncing of the shoots and such
0: gotcha yeah I mean I, I like the idea of your kind of like a shield so it's kind of like the same idea as like you get a mushroom in Mario and then you're bigger but if you get hit you get exactly. shot back down right Exactly. So, that''s, that's um, exactly that I think that's a really awesome mechanic to have in a game as opposed to having a health bar or like the one shot kill. It gives the player way more, there's way more skill involved because they have to balance that. So along with that, I'm curious as to what kind of game modes are in this. Is this more like uh, like you said with Robotron where it's kind of like you just scale up different levels. Do you have different kind of game modes, like points or do you focus on kills? Like what are, what are the objectives of the game?
1: Okay, Uh, right now we have only one game mode, but uh, the thing with Yell is that you can actually play it in different ways. For example, we have, uh, Yell has an ending. Not every old school game has an ending, it just loops, but Yell has 60 levels. And the levels are essentially the same thing every time, like the same enemies and they appear from the same places. But you can play Yell with a high score mindset, Trying to squeeze those 60 levels uh, out of you know the most score you can, or you should, can just play more defensively, trying to beat the game. So I'm going to try to explain how that works uh, without having different modes. Um, as I told you, uh, Yell is all about grabbing these coins, and that's your only way of getting points. Different type of enemies give you different type of points. The next step in the design is the power-up system. The power-up system actually is a slot machine. It's not like in typical uh, games in which um, you know where the power-ups are going to be or they appear at random. Here, whenever you shoot and grab coins, you are charging a bar at the bottom of the screen that charges the, the slot machine. So whenever you charge it, this little machine spins and you might or might not get a power up. And also there are essentially powers in that you are going to get like a better shot type or more power. We do have that, but sometimes things happen. Things like the level immediately finishes or all your bullets turns into enemy bullets or the bullets slow down, or you can even summon enemies, but you're not controlling that. So it forces you to adapt. The thing is that since that's tied up to the shooting, and whenever you stop shooting, like the bar um, discharges, like, it goes down. So if you really want power-ups and things to happen, you have to keep shooting. So when a player is playing to get a high score, he essentially has to keep shooting, and I'm going to explain that in a second. So that makes like uh, the rate of power-ups increases. So Yael actually responds to the way that the player is, is playing in an organic way. It, it gets uh, more intense uh the the more intense you play in a way and the other part about that is the combo system the combo system basically um works like this uh, whenever you kill enemies um uh, uh, it's this it's like uh similar to i don't know i'm trying to think of a game that has that but here the combo is charged uh, based on the amount of enemies you kill and uh, whenever you kill a certain type, uh, amount of enemies into in, inside a combo, your multiplier uh, goes higher. So you start at Multiplayer 1, and that means that every coin you grab gives you one point. But if you keep get, uh, killing enemies without breaking your combo, that is, without stopping killing enemies or without getting yourself killed, you will uh, get this combo um, uh, multiplier up. So you can get to a point, and I've seen some skilled players do this, in which you have a multiplayer of uh, 110, which means that you're getting for every coin that would normally give you one point, you will get 110 points. So that gives you a lot of different ways and a lot of, possibilities, of scoring possibilities into those 60 levels. So uh, you can see in Yale that there are scores that got up to level, I don't know, 30 with... Um, Ten thousand points, and this another player can get to the level and have like forty-five thousand points. And I think that's really cool. That really um, makes into a, a competitive game, which was what what I had in mind. Um, so we didn't have different modes, but you could try to play more defensively and try not to maximize your score. And you could be attempting to just beat the game, and that's something really good to have because not every time you take your arcade to you know to a venue, not everyone is a hardcore, uh, high score oriented player. So I think it's cool to give the other people the, the possibility to play and have fun and feel like they're actually accomplishing something. In this case, like beating the game or beating the levels. Uh, for example, when you don't get hit in a level in Yale, you get one of two options. One is to warp five levels ahead and get an extra life. So if you're trying to beat the game, that's actually a very good choice. Now, the other option is that you don't advance, you don't warp five levels, uh, you just get a bon- bonus points and uh, a shield. So you have the choice uh, or very, very clear choice of what you want to choose, uh, depending on the type of, of mm, game you're playing, in a way. So there's not, the, everything in Yell is like uh, thought. In in that way, it's not like, uh, there's almost nothing that is random uh, uh, from a design standpoint. Everything that we put in there has a reason to be there. And we try to make uh, all these parts work together and create like a solid uh, arcade experience.
0: Yeah, I really like the the depth that you have with multiple game modes, kind of in one game mode with how the individual wants to play it and go about it. Um, that's, that, that's just like, that really stands out to me. What I'm also curious about is with the, the retrofitting of that cabinet, um, what were some of the biggest challenges you guys came across? I'm i I'm sitting or uh, assuming this is the first cabinet that you guys have built. Is that right? Yeah,
1: that's right. That was the first one. Well, uh, I think that the most challenging thing was like, um, getting this to look good and to, you know, as I told you, the the cabinet was not in a good shape, not at all. We had to change entire parts of it. And we had uh, our um, budget was basically zero. (laughs) So we had to come up with with ideas and things. And it's very like uh, handmade. And, And I think that's a good thing, you know, it, you you see it and it looks cool, but you can certainly see that it was not something like um, industrial. It doesn't have an industrial quality to that. It's it's different. So I think that was the most challenging part. But then it was it was mostly a, a smooth ride. Once we figured out the big things, like once we changed the parts of the cabinet that were like like really beat up, it was it was not not hard because we had a very clear idea of what we wanted. For example, for the site uh actually the 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 graphics on the sides is uh, something we didn't do we paid an artist a local artist here to make them for us because we like the style and from the get-go i knew i wanted to have something like the centipede cabinet in which you have this thing of the 80s in which they painted this uh the, the artwork the artwork for the games was like very um, detailed and very evocative but then in the game the graphics were obviously uh much simpler so you have to fill that with your imagination and i wanted to have this idea of a very detailed very um characteristic uh phoenix uh, on the sides and and have like the, the pixel art in the game so it was pretty smooth i knew what we wanted we just got the design and then the colors like came up naturally because uh, the main character in yellow is yellow and and, um, and red. So I know I wanted something to have to do with yellow. We thought that purple like was a good fit with yellow and all the lines on the cabinet are reminiscent of the uh, universal cabinets from back in the day. So it has it gives it that bit of a, of a retro look. And also on a side note, this type of cabinet is very, um, it's very typical from Uruguay. I mean, I, I think they are even uh, made here back in the day because uh, we did, we rarely got like uh, original cabinets, you know, dedicated cabinets. Most of the time uh, people would just import the boards or even a, a lot of bootleg boards. So most cabinets were generic. They are called, this type of cabinet uh, for Yellow is called Copita here in Uruguay. I don't know what that means, uh, small cup in English. I have no idea what they are called that way. But uh, I think that's that's also cool, especially for people living here, because they see this this cabinet. We have lights on the sides and such. So it's like seeing a super-powered version of the arcade cabinet so you saw back then. So it gives you this idea of, of a powered-up version of something from back then. And I think that that's also what we wanted to, um, you know, the, the idea we had when creating the game also, that it, it's certainly old school, but we have a lot of modern touches and and even and, you know the graphics, the way it's designed, the sound. So I think it all fits together rather nicely.
0: Yeah, it it is a really cool cabinet design. I don't think I've seen a lot of them here in America. It's almost like uh like they cut off the bottom portion of the cabinet and just built like a leg on it and a stand, which I think it 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 looks a, looks really unique. And it also just has it has what you need. It doesn't feel like there's extra box there. You know, it's not taking up more space than it needs to. Um, I'm I'm wondering where did your video game history start? Uh, I always find it really interesting with programmers as to like where they drew their inspiration from in the beginning and what were some of their earliest video game memories. So when did you start playing video games?
1: Well, th- that's actually a very good question because in a way it's very related to arcades. Uh, and the, I started playing when I was about um, I don't know two years old, maybe two and a half. The thing is that uh, back here uh, I'm I'm 29 years old, so that was about around 93, 94. But here in Uruguay, uh, at the time, the most popular video game console, and for many times, was the the Famicom. That is the, the the pirate NES. So yep, I Japanese had a... I, had, exactly. But it's not it's not the original one. We had the bootlegs here. We we call it family family game, but it's like I think you guys call it Famicom as a, a clone of the Famicom. Um so the thing is, uh, that was my first experience with games. Uh, my co- uh, cousin had game, uh, had a, a family game. That's why we call it here. But I can't really recall what was the first games I played. But I know it was around that time. And then uh, a few blocks away from my house, there was this um, this uh, arcade. Basically, it was an arcade in which they also sold food. You could buy a hamburger and play some games. It was like that. So my parents took me. And when I was little, I was, I had asthma. So I couldn't like, um, there was a lot of things I couldn't do, but video games were something I could do because I didn't have to move a lot. Uh, Because if I ran, I got asthma. And if I did anything like that, I I, I just couldn't have like a normal life at the time. So they would take me there to eat something and and play uh, arcades. And I have a very vivid memory. I don't know if it was the first time, but one of the first times I remember, I was playing a Superman game. I think it's by title the arcade Superman game. It's quite bad, actually. And the cabinet, like, uh, had a a short, and it turned off, and smoke started coming out from it. That was one of the first um, memories I have. So then I I, I turned sideways, and I remember seeing the Mortal Kombat 1 arcade cabinet with Goro staring at me from the screen. That was one of the first memories I have regarding arcade and, and gaming in general. And from that point on, it was like, I know it, it feels so natural for me because it's something I have literally been doing all my life. And when you are so little, you don't think about how these games are made because you you just play them. But I remember like when I was about six, seven years old or so, I kind of, kind of came to me that these games should be made by someone. And from that point on, honestly, I think that was the time I decided I was going to make video games. I knew that was what I wanted to make. So when I turned 13, that was my first time I, I, meet, I, I got to know Game Maker. That was a very old version. It was about, I don't know, point, 4.0, the, the old Game Maker. You couldn't even use like transparent transparent images. You, you couldn't use PNGs, it was like very primitive. But I started making games with that and just never stopped. I have worked making games like mobile games and such. Now we work at something different. But uh, I haven't stopped making games ever since. I just uh, I just do it because I love it. I, it's, it's not my job. It's not something like that for me. It's like a, a passion.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you love. And the more you do that, the better you get at it. I mean, the game looks great, in my opinion. Um, I'd love to play it. You guys only have one copy of it, right?
1: Yeah, uh, right now we only have one copy. Um, it... It's also, uh, I think that when you have an arcade game, it's important that um, the, the, the machine itself is part of experience, you know? So usually you want to have not too many cabinets because it, it makes the one cabinet you have feel more like um, mythical. So you can only play Yale when Yale is somewhere and you can access it. That's not to say we wouldn't like uh, more people to play our game or that in the future... Maybe we could make, I don't know, a PC version, for example. But if I did that, I would try to make a game that, uh, a version of Shell that uh, takes advantage of the, the experience of playing at home. And right now, Yale is not a game that is designed or thought that way. The one thing we wanted to do uh, was to make uh, another cabinet in Argentina because um, I met with uh, Hernan from NAVA and such and I met the people and the the scene there because basically here in Uruguay, there's not not such thing as an arcade scene. It's just us, literally. It's, it's the only arcade in Uruguay, the, the only Uruguayan arcade game. So I wanted to create uh, another version and just leave it in Argentina to have it be like the Argentinian version of Yellow. And one thing I like to do, if I ever did that, maybe after COVID and such, is that have them connect online so that they scores can be shared and people can, you know, compete on each one on, 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 on each machine and see the scores of the other one. Because I think that kind of, um, maintains this idea of, of, mm, how mythical it is to know that you are competing against other people, but they have to have access to that other machine. So it, it kind of blends the old school, uh, high score uh, experience and gives it a modern twist with the online sharing thing. But that's a project that is still is in my head, but it's not going to be right now. At least at least I have to wait until the COVID thing uh, finishes.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting you say that because I just spoke with uh, Hernan and Maximo last week about uh, Nave and how they only have, or we were talking about Dobotone last week, but about how there's only one cabinet and you got to be there to play it. And Dobotone only has... believe one location they just have it in uh in new york um but that's that's a really cool concept that like you have to go like it it becomes an adventure just to play the game
1: exactly exactly that's that's the thing i have this idea that the machine itself has to be like the, the the center of it all like it has to invade the space around it and i and i mean it on every level like uh, right now, Yale has um, lights on the sides, but the plan that I'm actually working on that right now is to have those lights uh, react to the game. And the idea behind that is that not only the person that is playing is like having the arcade experience, but the people who is around, who is at the venue, uh, feel the machine. So I think that's very important for arcade machines, for physical games in general, that they have to like invade the space. And and having only one also gives, this, uh, gives more power to that, uh, to that idea because it, it starts to be a character. You know. People identify it as the Yale machine or the Navi machine. It's not just an object, in a way. So I think that's, that's really cool about physical games and, and having a limited amount of machines. Now, I was saying the downside is, of course, that when, if you have only one machine, in, less people can play the game. But uh, I think that if your game, like, resonates with people, people are just going to take the effort to go whenever the game is and and play it. You can see that perfectly with Navit. Uh, I was there back last year for the World Championships, and it's amazing to see all these people, like, doing all sorts of things to get there and play the game. So I think that's, even if it's a downside, obviously, it's not that big one because people are just going to, you know, go where your game is.
0: Right. Right. Um, I've got one more question for you before we wrap everything up. And that is, um, where have you taken the game and what are your future plans for Yelp?
1: Well, uh, we started things slowly around three years ago uh, with a, an older version of the game. The cabinet was the same, but the game was a bit, you know, uh, had a, a bit less features. We took it to... Um, a convention that is here in Uruguay that is not in Montevideo. Montevideo is the capital city of Montevideo and uh, half of the people of the, of the country lives here. We are only three millions and uh, one million and a half lives in Montevideo. But we did, we took it to uh, a convention that's called Juegarte which I actually was one of the founding members and the idea of this sort of convention is that the it has um, games in general, like old school games, uh, newer games. The idea is that people can go and play for free every game that was there. So, Cuadarte had a couple of arcades, and we took Yell there for the first time, and it was between, I think, it was a Tekken machine and a Street Fighter machine. It was really crazy, because we didn't like tell anyone, hey, this is a an indie game or anything. People were playing Yell as if it was any other game. That was the first time. Um, from then on... We always take it to those conventions, which is yearly. And also we have taken it um, to other locations like bars. And recently, uh, about three or four months ago, we started like uh, taking the machine to the streets. Uh, the first time, we just put it outside of my house. And since then, we have put it in like two or three places. And the idea is that this machine pops up somewhere in the streets. And we don't even stand there and tell people what this is about. We just put it there and walk away and see how people interact with the machine. And it has been an amazing experience. It's something that we definitely plan and keep on doing. But that we don't have like uh, a specific type of venue in which we put yell. We have a few rules. Uh, those rules are basically that whenever we take it, uh, it has to be free to play. We don't want to have a, a pay barrier that you can't access Um uh, That's basically the only one rule. So if someone calls us and says, hey, I want to put Yale for a couple of days somewhere and we see that we can do it, it's like, okay, we just want people to play the game and have fun. So there's really not not a type of, of venue. There's not a plan behind it all. It's just we have this arcade and we are always trying to find new ways for more people to play it.
0: Gotcha. So do you guys have any plans in the future for... I mean, I guess it's probably pretty hard right now to make any plans, but are you guys planning on going to conventions like outside of Uruguay or like coming to the States or anything?
1: Uh, Well, we certainly would like to, but the logistics of moving an arcade cabinet uh, outside of the country are very complicated. In fact, um, that's how the idea of making an Argentinian version of Shell came to be, because it was really hard and, and it was not really clear if we could get across the borders with, with the machine so we say okay Argentina is just like a, a two hours away from here we can just go there and build a cabinet so for the time being we're focusing on on having you know on, on on taking Yale to places we can physically take it ourselves what I really like is the idea that maybe we can uh have other people like make an arcade machine somewhere of Yale uh, that's something we certainly would like to explore. We should see how that works, uh, how to make it, but uh, that's something that we can see happening like in the future. And regarding, regarding our other plans, we are planning on making uh, more games. Uh, we are now uh, starting to create our next cabinet, which is uh, pretty ambitious actually, because it's not just one game it's a set of a smaller games and each one of those smaller games is made in collaboration with a different artist or with a different studio and such. Uh, but the plan is the same. We're going to build this thing and we're going to just take it to places to, for people to play. So that's pretty much the plan. It's, it's pretty simple, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds like a, a great plan to me. Um, just before we wrap everything up here, I want you to shout out all of your guys' social media so that people can find you and I will link them in the description as well.
1: Yes, uh, you can find us mostly, we're most active on, on uh, Instagram, it's uh, Yale and uh, says that, and that's where we post most things about the arcade. We also have a Facebook page, but honestly, I think we haven't posted anything there since, I don't know, maybe four months, but in in Facebook, if you want to follow us, you can find us as Plastic Dreams, uh, and it's more like a general page, it's not entirely focused on on, on Yell, but on all games we make, but not right now. Obviously, we are. It's mostly Yell because that's the project we have, the, like in our at our hands right now. But uh, I, I would highly suggest to you if you like the idea and if you like the game that you follow us on on Instagram because if anything new ha- happens or comes up, it's going to be there at Yell Arcade.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on here, Emiliano, um, and talking about Yell. Game looks awesome. I would love to play it someday. I've, I'll have to make it in my South American trip when I go check out Nave and Dobotone as well. Um, If you guys like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe, like, share the podcast or the video, um, and definitely check out that Yell Instagram. They've got some awesome stuff on there, and the cabinet is gorgeous. So until next time, peace.